0: Welcome to the Hologram Media Club. I'm Will.
1: Nerd.
0: And I'm Gavin.
1: God, what a dork.
0: We're a book club for the 21st century. The newest wonder of the 21st century. We'll focus on
1: sci-fi fantasy. And speculative fiction
0: audiobooks. Books are for square. But we'll get into all sorts of geeky stuff. It's dorky. I'm aware that it's dorky. Each episode, we'll discuss a book, then recommend a new book to discuss on the next episode. It's stupid, episode after another. Talk to us
1: on any social media, or even better, join us on an episode and share your thoughts. With the
2: nerds and the
0: geeks? Welcome to another episode of the Hologram Media Club podcast, and it's been quite a while since our last <laughs> episode. Uh, we've yeah. all been going through some personal things and uh, experiencing the holidays and quite a lot has happened actually since the last episode and we actually recorded an episode in between uh, what you've heard last. I don't even remember what the last episode that actually got posted was, but we tried recording Cloud Atlas and uh, technical difficulties ensued.
1: (laughs) I, I messed up. I'll take blame on it. I still think
0: the book. Not to mention,
1: you know, difficulties on my part even
3: just getting through Cloud Atlas. (laughs) I think
1: think the whole book was cursed, but I'll take the blame on the episode. (laughs) That was my mistake.
0: It was quite a doozy, and it so it just threw us off for a while, and uh, we ended up deciding that maybe we would skip that that book entirely and move on to our next pick, which happened to be. The Bobiverse series, uh, the first book being We Are Legion, written by Dennis E. Taylor in 2016, and it, uh, I really enjoyed the series, but uh, tonight we have a special guest with us uh, whose name happens to be Steve, and uh, it's hap- I think Gavin, a your buddy from long times yeah, ago.
1: Yeah. Steve and I go back uh, 30-some years, 35 years. Yeah, 30 years like anyway, uh, 30 years, more than first 30 First grade,
4: years? I think. First or second grade.
1: Something like that, yeah. Some yeah. absurd amount of years. Yeah, yeah, like literally 30, 35 years. 35 years anyways. Probably more. A lot, a lot of years. A lot of years. It's
3: best not to think about it. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 the numbers are overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> Steve right.
1: and I go way back. And I, it, it it's i chose this book this is actually a really funny for me i had gone through this book or these first three books i had listened to and that's what prompted me to text will to begin with a year and a half ago or whatever and ask him if he was still reading sci-fi and if he still had the list i had a book suggestion for him that i think he'd like and it was this book so and i didn't say that we started talking podcasting and went off and did it but it was this book that prompted me to get back in touch with Will and then a couple months ago Steve was asking if I knew of any decent audiobooks and if if I knew anybody with an audiobook collection That's a yes as a matter of fact I do <laughs> and I said what are some of the books that you've enjoyed recently and he said the Babaverse. and I was like motherfucker oh. okay come on uh, that's <laughs> there we go now it's time to bring that to the podcast get get everybody involved and and see what everybody thought about it so it was it was kind of funny that it round
0: circle (laughs) yeah
1: yeah just some akuna matata shit going on and here we are (laughs) i think i use that phrase wrong (laughs) i'm not sure that's what that means but
0: circle of life yeah well steve do you want to tell us a little bit uh just about maybe your sci-fi histories and maybe like your favorite book or series i don't know if the Babaverse is up there?
4: Yes, yeah, so I don't know, my sci-fi creds. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, like I said, uh, known Gavin for, uh, well, I guess 40-some years now. If, if, yeah. we, if we don't count the, the, the 10, 15 years when he was off on a different phase and, and uh, <laughs> you know traveling the world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was there for the, for his bris, for his weird Judaism phase. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was there when he met his wife. He was the He actually just met my wife. Uh, uh-huh. and so, um, but in terms of sci-fi, I mean, it just goes back forever um, in terms of movies. And, and um, I probably like fantasy, uh, the fantasy side more of sci-fi
2: um,
4: uh-huh. than uh, the actual science fiction. Although I... I you know, topic for another day i don't know why we classify fiction it's different types it's all fantasy it's all make-believe so anyway um i'd say sci-fi wise um yeah these books have got to be up there on on my favorites um a lot of sci-fi i much cred to you guys and to gavin who who love all the sci-fi books I struggle with them especially when they're really long like Dune, very wordy and and if they're not written well I I just I check out but this one I thought was written really well very engaging uh and so this is probably one of my favorites um in the specific sci-fi area so if you want to get into things like that I mean I like Anne Rice uh up to a point uh, <laughs> uh, then when you know about the hundredth time she says preternatural then you start to check right, and that's, when I, that's when i that's when i tapped out <laughs> was... but, uh, I, think, I
1: think steve i think you took i think you hipped me to macross back in the day i think you were the one yeah. that got me realizing that macross and robotech were two different things mm-hmm. so i think you get credit for that as far as i'm concerned i think you're the one who hit me to macross Jamil hit me to robotech but I think you were the one that got me into Macross as a separate entity.
5: Oh, yeah. So what I'll are those? That.
1: Exactly. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Macross is a, an anime. It's about uh, ships in space and aliens and shit. Um, there's a couple of different similar-ish stories. And they were taken by an American company and turned into Robotech. Um huh. That's cool. So that's what we were digesting as as little American kids was we got Robotech, but it turned out that that was three different stories kind of combined into one. So once you graduate from Robotech, then you start getting into Macross. And then Akira came out and ended the whole thing. I was gonna say I that, that was, yeah, we yeah. back up our
4: Akira, collecting yeah. Akira books, seeing the movie. Yeah.
1: yeah, well Akira changed everything, right? I mean I, yeah, so that's a whole nother yeah, that's a whole other thing. But the Macross Robotech, if you if you like cartoons and if you like anime, Robotech is worth checking out and then watch get into Macross if you like that.
0: Yeah, watch younger of the kids
3: stuff recently what's that for the first time? I watched some of the Robotech cartoons again recently for the first time. It still holds up fairly well, honestly.
1: It- It holds up a lot better than Star Blazers, which was like, that was a knife in my heart, dude. I grew up watching Star Blazers. That's why I haven't loved fucking Star Blazers. And back, I went to a blockbuster video and rented a VHS of Star Blazers season one and cried. I returned it. I was like, never again, never again. Although there's a live action Yamato movie out there somewhere. I haven't been able to find a version of it. I haven't been able to find it yet. I'm looking for it. Um, Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking for that. But apparently, that's kind of a riot. So, But Robotech is good. Robotech is really, it holds, like Aaron says, it holds up. It's good.
3: I read um, a lot of the uh, yeah. like novelizations, I guess, of the Robotech oh, right.
4: stuff when yeah. I was a kid, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff out there.
0: So how would you guys get your hands on this? Like, passing it back and forth from friends, like VHS tapes or like comics yeah. and stuff like that, too? Or I guess not comics, but...
4: Graphic novels. Yeah,
1: well, no, there was there was comics. It was nobody. We didn't have manga yet. I mean, there was no manga available to us yet. But there were comics, and then right, um,
4: Robotech. It was on uh, Channel Twenty back in the day, in the morning, right before school.
1: Yeah, uh, oh, okay. Right before uh, it
4: was jun- junior high, I guess. Was
1: junior high. The yeah, yeah, or late January. late elementary, early junior high. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. and then cool. Jamil's <laughs> a friend of mine. A friend of mine's brother had a big network of people that would like dub VHS tapes so when amir went to school jamil would break into his room and steal all his vhs tapes and we'd watch robotech and akira that was my first my first viewing of akira was a dubbed dubbed, dubbed dub dub <laughs> it was really really bad um and then jamil had his ass kicked because amir figured out that he had gotten into his room and stolen it and um so there was a, a scuffle over that but that's how we got to watch akira so yeah just a lot of yeah robotech was on tv Okay. Uh, Star Blazers was on TV,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then yeah, and then we start finding people with VHS tapes and copies or beta. There's probably some beta stuff out there too.
0: <laughs> That's, yeah, very cool. Well, I guess we I should get onto, uh, get onto a get onto the Bob. Let's talk Bob. some Bob-a-verse. Bob So before we get too heavy into it spoilers will be for the entire series we'll be talking about
1: for the first three books
0: all three books yeah so the entire series is four books
1: there's a fourth book right now and he's working on a fifth book now but the fourth book doesn't really other than the same characters and the same general stuff is not part of the original trilogy so we are talking about the first three books but not the fourth book though the fourth book is pretty good
0: So do you want to grace us with a 60 second uh, quick review or synopsis of the either book one or entire series?
1: Yeah, I think I'll go. Yeah, just sort of a general bigger than a back of book, but something like that, something for the whole series.
0: All right. Well, I have a timer here and it is completely set to 60 seconds. So at your willing. All right. I'll start in three, two, one. So we,
1: our main character is Bob Johansson. He's a software engineer, um, in our basic, essentially our present timeline. Um, (laughs) no pressure, right? Uh, uh, we follow Bob to a comic con in, um, Las Vegas, where he goes across the street or down the street to basically buy a cryogenic chamber to, upon his death, um, have his head frozen and it thawed out later once they figure out how to cure what ailed him. Uh, Then he goes back to the Comic-Con and gets squashed by a car. Uh, He wakes up, I think it's a hundred some years in the future, more or less, and uh, finds out that he is now a spaceship. More or less, he gets launched into space, replicates himself, watches humanity effectively destroy itself, um, interferes with a couple of sentient species, and goes on about his life and just continues replicating. And
0: himself. time.
2: Oops. <laughs> I'm more, more or less. <laughs> Professional. Very well done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I said replicating himself like four times, but the joke is I replicated, replicating himself (laughs) more or less.
0: (laughs) So I'll start with overall impressions or initial thoughts. I had a lot of fun with this book. It was a definitely a a page turner or, you know, one where you'd want to stay up just listening all night. And, uh, there were several times where I would usually I'll listen to an audio book or something like that at night to fall asleep. And uh, this one would keep me up. I would have to turn it on to something else because it That's just funny. kept me wanting to find out what would happen next. And the way that it kind of flashes back and forth from different Bob's perspectives, yeah, had a lot of fun with that. So if you weren't into one Bob's story, there was certainly something in this book for you. I, I think you know, there's yeah. uh, kind of archaic uh, Neanderthal society that one Bob is watching over all the way up to a society that's harnessing the power of the sun, uh, Mm -hmm. kind of things like a hive, the Dyson sphere. Yeah. Yeah. So all sorts of different stuff going on. The way that it went back and
3: forth between all of the different, you know, iterations of Bob's and all the different situations they were in, it really did contribute to, pulling you forward in the story a lot and and making it very easy to get through. And it reminded me a lot of when I first read The Stand. um, Because that follows a lot of different characters. And the, the version that I read when I was in high school was very much intercut. And it would jump back and forth between all of the characters. So, you know, if at some point you weren't terribly interested in what was going on with one of the characters, well, usually their chapter was, you know fairly short and then you'd move on to one that you were more interested to and the-
1: which one was the stand the stand
3: was uh stephen king stephen that's the king. one where they,
1: yeah uh, no i know it was the, king but i can't remember the which super one flu
3: outbreak oh god control. i read that with
1: like, a <laughs> fucking head cold dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> never again that was horrid. <laughs> yeah <laughs> That was They, wait, they that made was, a mini
3: series of it that came out in 2020. I mean, that was the, yeah. Right.
1: That was the that was the Stephen King book that ended with like a flash of light, and then the bad guy ended up on an island by himself, trying to like start again, right?
3: Something like that. Yeah. Or
1: was that all the other Stephen King books did the exact same <laughs> way?
3: <laughs> well, I definitely had uh, you know Randall Flagg, the man in black, who appears in, yeah, in a lot right, of okay. other stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember. But yeah, I, that, did that I did read that one. Yeah. And you know, I read it again uh, more recently, and it was it was cut differently so that every character's story was all together,
1: oh, and
3: it fun. really made it a lot more difficult to read. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. So again, that that strategy of of interleaving all of those stories really does help pull you through.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the chapter pretty short so I mean yeah if you're not into one of the stories you're on to the next chapter uh yeah I found myself in the first book I mean it it does a really great job of dealing with the fact that you're 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 kind of moving through real time um Mm. this this universe doesn't have light speed and and so forth although they do kind of wave their hands and make subspace magically happen so that they can communicate with each other in real time right yeah right (laughs) um in the first book i was very much obsessed with okay what year is it and which bob is this which clone of him is this and is this which clone was this clone from and and all that and then i was like actually i love it as the series progresses you start to care less about that like the different time frames i mean he keeps mentioning every time what time what year it is which bob you're with but it's more you're just really focused on the different stories of it yeah mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah i thought it was fun that each bob kind of takes on a different personality which was a really also interesting aspect. And they take on the personality of who they're named after. So kind of, you know, Riker right. is a little bit more nerdy and I'm trying to think of some of the other names. The original Bob.
1: Yeah, they're the, they're the is, Milo and Mario, and they all get, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah right, yeah. they all had a distinct Yeah, Homer, like she tries to talk like Homer.
2: Well, um, he had to cartoon yeah.
1: Avatar for a while too, right? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, yeah yeah that uh I really like I really like I thought it was an interesting thing because every author that writes more than one character writes different personalities, right like any any decent author can write several personalities in a book, but these bobs were all similar enough but just divergent enough that it was somehow really well done and really believable kind of mm-hmm. it wasn't just a bunch of radically different character types and arc types all combined together it was everybody had a similar vein but you could tell who was who it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was cool. I thought it, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed all the references. I, people yeah. ask me about this book and I say, it's what ready player one should have been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this wasn't just some nostalgia boner cram all the references in that we possibly can. There were real world references in it because Bob is our contemporary. So you get Simpson references. My only complaint was he wasn't a big Lord of the Rings fan. I take the personal, <laughs> personal problem with that, but I can let that go.
3: But apparently not a Duton fan either.
1: No, More really, Ender's not game. a human fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he never even yeah. mentioned Ender's Game, which is interesting, right? right? Like that never even got a, a mention. Yeah, well, especially
3: considering the uh, everything with the others and the war against them. Yeah, so the, yeah, kind of the um, the primary, well, kind of kind of two antagonists throughout the uh, throughout the series, other than you know humanity itself. Right, um, <laughs> yeah, is, uh, particularly a, an AI created by the Brazilian Medeiros. Uh, enclave Madeiros. Yeah,
1: Madeiros, Madeira. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> use a, a
3: Latin plural for a right, yeah, Portuguese word. Anyway,
1: yeah,
3: um, but then also the uh, the others, which is a truly alien. Uh, yeah species and sort of not exactly the borg but uh because they weren't really looking to assimilate so much as eat mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. harvest and yeah. build the dyson sphere around their star but they were definitely a hive mind mm-hmm. uh, so yeah you get a little bit of uh starship troopers you know bugs there too
1: yeah
4: yeah yeah Well, I I came to this book because I had had a ton of uh, Audible credits and I was uh, canceling the Audible subscription, had to burn them all before I canceled (laughs) it. I think this was literally the last book that I downloaded, just kind of on a whim, like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Maybe I'll listen to it someday. And then I got back into audiobooks and listened to all the ones I had. And I was like, well, I still got this one. Let me listen to this one. And I was just blown away by it. I I love how it deals with um, some real issues of, of, of humanity's existence um uh you know namely the sort of the 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 paradox in that we we can't stay on this planet but we're really (laughs) ill suited for traveling to space so you know it's actually probably going to be ai or something that travels on our behalf um and so that was really interesting and of course you know bob goes through his god phase and um and everything (laughs) and um and it is interesting. It's interesting to see. Um, one of the things that really struck me in the first book was that uh, sort of the, the central character, the central Bob, the first Bob, um, actually becomes kind of a sideline character, really, in the story. And the story, really, if anything, it should be called the Billiverse. The central character, really yeah uh, that was a neat yeah. twist in, in this whole thing but yeah that that the first book the first episode, uh, book really just grabbed me and then i reached out to gam was like hey uh i don't feel like paying for the other two uh do you have to have these for <laughs> in a, in a way that uh you know i can borrow them uh you know and so forth yeah um, and so and then it's just great how that how the story evolves really i mean uh into a lot of different arcs and sort of what does it mean if you're uh if you have infinite lives, basically, and, and yeah, death and death is no longer an issue, like, so how, yeah, how, what would you do with all that? Because what do you there do are with- different personalities, but it's funny how every so often you realize they all still think the same way, you know. So it is in one way, it's different personalities, but still one person. Sorry, go ahead, man.
1: Right? No, it, yeah, it's um, I don't remember what I was going to say, but I do agree that <laughs> that's you're effectively he's effectively um immortal now right like i mean he's gonna see if everything keeps going that way he's going to see the heat death of the universe and what do you do with all that time and it's interesting to see what they end up all doing like everybody starts going off and having their own projects and i'm trying not to get into the fourth book um because i think i'm the only one that's done the fourth book right so and the fourth book isn't directly connected with the third although there's some really interesting I encourage people if you enjoyed this to read the fourth book. It's a little bit different, but there's some really interesting plot. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. It gets cool, so I'm trying <laughs> to keep away from that. But but yeah, there's different personalities of Bobs, and they all do still sort of think similar. And but they also give each other shit, right? Like Bob One goes and messes with the uh, with the society, and he starts getting a lot of shit for being so involved with a society of... Um, the Delta Definitely violating the prime directive. <laughs> right, right. Well, what are the ethics of I'll,
0: doing that too? Playing. So God. here's
1: yeah. here's my question. I Okay, let's assume that we have to have a prime directive and you're not supposed to go and interfere with another species. We're literally doing that already though. We've done that with dogs. We've done that with cats. We've done it with cows. We've done it with corn. We already do all of these things. Why is it different if we're on another planet?
4: Well, it's actually interesting because you think about it, the, the reason he starts to interfere is because he's enjoying watching them and what they're doing, and but they're gradually being hunted by these, uh, for, for lack of a better uh, t- term, big gorillas basically yeah, right. it yeah. Yeah, and it <laughs> to yeah. Extinction it, it looks like he, he he feels like they're being hunted to Extinction and and he decides to step in but it's almost like he's stepping in because you know I mean he found he, he's proud that he found he was the first one to find a sentient, another sentient race he's kind of become invested in this race and if they get hunted to Extinction man he's gonna have to go out there and find another sentient race to go <laughs> onto.
2: so
4: yeah I mean it, it's interesting I mean he kind of does it he's not doing it for the most altruistic reasons necessarily I don't think
0: no
1: yeah no that's a good point yeah
0: and i can imagine the way that they don't sleep that he's trying to hurry things along just because he's so bored probably and everything (laughs) he's got you know (laughs) infinite time and he's like i don't want to have to go invest all of this time on some other neanderthal (laughs) but he also you know kind of didn't uh wasn't really into
3: everything that was his his mission to begin with you know which is to be Finding habitable planets and and making more bobs and um,
4: spreading the word of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> throughout <laughs> the Hallelujah. universe. Yeah. Well, actually, you no, know, no, I mean, if, either, if, right? if God is omnipotent, I mean, does He really need us need the humans to spread His <laughs> word throughout the universe? Isn't it already out there?
2: <laughs> but anyway, yeah. we'll do that. No,
1: <laughs> they touch on that, but I mean, He touches on religion in the book, right? I mean, He does he goes into faith and in all this, no, not faith as the word faith, but faith as in the organization that essentially took over America. He right. gets into the ramifications of having a, an organization like that and getting into religion in the greater scheme of things. And it wouldn't be a far cry for him to have asked a question in this book. Hey, if God's is omnipotent, the fuck's he need us for? Like, that's a valid question for this. That's- but it's actually
4: interesting because that really drives a lot of the story that he is he is a hardcore atheist and and his uh, whole attitude yeah. being cloned and continuing on in this way as well I mean the alternative is oblivion so cool right. I'm happy to do this and and happy to be a, uh, a lot of people kind of uh, as time goes on they don't they don't want to join him because they see him as sort of he's a servant forever he's always helping humans right. or helping species and on but for him it's like well what else am I going to do except yeah, exist to exist. So right, it's funny. I think I, it's, it's it's something <laughs>
3: something to do, basically. Right, right. You know, <laughs> so and what and do you
1: guys? The... No, go ahead Well, I think you're going to ask the same. I think you're going to ask the same question. I'm going to ask. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, I guess just in regards to how do you feel about is he truly human anymore or has he become something else? I mean, I, I think he's something else. I think he's. Evolve the way that he can think and uh, talk to other portions of himself throughout the universe. It's almost like he's split well, himself even, into multiple pieces. They even give
3: themselves a new species name by the end of it.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, it
3: was but yeah, no longer Homo sapiens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Homo something else but yeah i i think at the beginning he's human and i think at towards the end he is something else i think he's i think he's evolved into another species the fourth book touches on that a little bit more um but he uh he he definitely is something else by the end of it or they they the bobs not just bob but the bobs um the legion of which there are many um yeah they become something else right they become something not Human, I won't say better or worse or more or less, but definitely different.
4: Well, definitely. Form. Anytime yeah. in a story where he's got to interact with humans, uh, it's it's very awkward uh, for him. It still is, and even when he starts to develop relationships with humans, uh, right? The, the, uh, whether it's intentional or not, it, it, those moments always feel kind of awkward uh, for him. Yeah. And when you're reading them or listening to them,
1: right?
0: Uh, it makes you think. Yeah. Would you want to be a von Neumann probe if you had the opportunity to live on forever, you know, because of the story with him and what is his love interest? Aaron's favorite character. Bridget. can't remember. Bridget. <laughs> Bridget. <laughs> Bridget.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, Book 3 started out a little heavy on the the Howard it, Bridget stuff. <laughs> and it seemed
1: like it was going to be a little romance right. heavy <laughs> and it didn't. I would absolutely. I like I don't I, in a second. I'd do it now hell yes, sign me up. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You're going to shoot my ass into space and tell me just go check that shit out? Yeah, Yeah. yes, absolutely, (laughs) without a question. I have a hard time trying to figure out why armies of humans aren't signing up for that. I get that Bob looks a little like a servant, but, I mean, it doesn't take much to look past that initial thought and say, oh, no, really, He's the only reason he's here is because he wants to be here or they want to be here. And
3: and it's pretty clear, you know, very soon after he's launched, he's no longer really beholden to, you know, the, the faith or the the people that sent him out there. It's like, well, no, I can do what (laughs) I want now. You know?
1: Yeah. No, totally. I would. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting that, that there are no other, no other humans signing up, especially not just armies of people signing up to be cloned and,
3: Yeah. Well, and I guess it was also, you know, one of the things that they, they covered very early on was certain personalities just wash out because they can't handle, Mm -hmm. um, you know, particularly the filling the time. uh, Psychologically. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And we even see that with the, uh, the Australian, um, guy who (laughs) his brain was set out and I forget who finds him first, but,
4: uh, Linus, I think.
3: Uh, is it Linus yeah I I mean
4: that's the interesting thing too I mean in in a the story is uh, he gets lucky and then he finds a very he's he's being developed by a very compassionate scientist who I think early on when he's launched gives him the ability to basically dissect his own code and Hmm. boot out all the ways in which they've tried to put in various things to control right that's true um, yeah yeah and and then like you know the Australian and, and and uh probably the other probes Uh, they didn't have that same luck. And so they were just being constantly told to clone themselves and build more and clone and build and clone and build. and They went crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Australian didn't have a virtual reality, right? Like he just, he got sent out basically just in a, in a sensory deprivation tank
2: and Mm, just, that was
1: it for years and years and years. So he ended up having problems, but.
0: And eventually he makes robots of himself that he can go down and, he comes data. official <laughs> beings fly around and it's pretty cool. He can yeah. make any sort of, he's pretty much a genius in everything. <laughs> That's the one thing Bob has no shortcomings. <laughs> he well, he knows it. how
1: to, he's, I think he doesn't necessarily, he's not necessarily a genius, but he knows how to work on a problem and he has the time and the resources to work on them. Right. Right. Like it's not so much that he's a genius as much as he understands how to use the tools that were given to him. Hmm. and can and can manage those tools. Now, he did some stuff that's like Homer true, came yeah. up with the giant food-growing donuts and stuff like that, but that's all stuff that...
3: It just now occurred to me. Did you just get the Homer, Homer donut? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's <funny.
4: laughs> that's you know, that's a question yeah. I have for maybe you guys can help with. You know, it, they talk a lot of times about how he frame jacks, he speeds up his timing, he slows it down, and... The thing i kept wondering throughout all of this is is bob thinking and existing in real time or is he actually moving you know his mind, whatever it is is moving much faster than real time than- i think
3: he has the capability much as you know a, a computer can do calculations you know in ridiculously short amounts of time i think he can he, he can perceive time you know, at a yeah. a much slower rate, he's still existing in real time. I mean, they talk about in some of those battles, um, you know, oh, it took it took thirty seconds for something to something to resolve, and that felt like an eternity.
1: Yeah, to him.
3: Um, so I think they're existing in real time, except for those who are moving. You know, at speeds close to light speed and and then yeah, time relativistic speeds for them.
1: Yeah. But then he can slow himself down. If he's the one traveling, if, if Linus is traveling close to the speed of light, he can slow himself way down and Bill can speed himself way up so that they can sort of match times and mm -hmm. be able to communicate relatively problem free.
0: It's a trip when he first becomes himself, And he has what is his assistant's name? I mean, Akbar eventually, but what is it? Guppy. Guppy. Yeah. How when he's even thinking? uh, So he the thought comes to him before he even thinks it. So part of what you're saying too is like he does think, like, way faster than the average. You know, like thoughts come to him before anything. So well,
1: he's essentially he's a supercomputer. But he's not just a supercomputer. I mean, he's a he's a smart human being with a su- with access to a supercomputer with no lag between trying to figure out how to communicate your question to your computer. And then there's the question of Guppy. Like you bring Guppy up, we never really do find out if Guppy is part of Bob or if Guppy is independent. Like hmm. it, it, you're just sort of vague about that. And they, yeah. they Bob at one point was questioning whether Guppy was part of him or something outside of him but still connected and they never he never really taylor never really answered that i thought that yeah. was i thought that was fun i did like that he kept the everybody kept the admiral akbar thing up though <laughs> yeah across the board like not one bob was just like oh fuck this no they all did it like that was i did appreciate that
0: and it was a smart way of him to introduce You know, when you come up against new Bobs or clone yourself that the original Bob has kind of ultimate authority within the system. Right. Just kind of intriguing the way that you would have to set up a hierarchy if you were going to be arguing within your, you know, with yourself. I could see that getting really crazy. Yeah, (laughs) Right. Well, We saw uh, that
3: in uh, Red Dwarf, you know. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I have fights with myself on a like if if it's like forty degrees in the morning, but it's supposed to get to like seventy. Do I wear pants or do I wear shorts? I mean, I, like I have a oh, there's conversations going on. What's that? Oh, you know, you wear
4: shorts. <laughs> okay, well if you if it's only going,
1: if it's only going up to fifty five, there's like if it's thirty in the morning. Like, but you have these. So yeah, you'd have to come up with a hierarchy. I like the idea that they all have to come up with their own name fairly quickly too, mm-hmm. which.
4: Towards the end of the third one, there's one that's just called Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're all like naming themselves after Nordic characters and I think Bloom County and various uh, you know, cat things. Stuff. Yeah. That. That's yeah,
3: he reads about Steve and is like, I wonder if it was for Steve Dallas or something else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Calvin
3: yeah. Calvin and Goku. Calvin <laughs> and Goku.
1: I want to start. There's um for fans of Discworld, there is a website. L-space something or another that has every reference and every joke spelled out for every single book. And it's an incredible resource. It's very, very early web looking. It's just, just literally just pages of texts. It's not interesting to look at at all. It's not visually appealing. I want to start one for the Babaverse because there's a lot of stuff out there I know I'm missing that I know there's stuff out there that I'm not getting. So I want to, I want ideally someone else <laughs> to, <laughs> help to, yeah. to come up with a database of some sort, just to list all of that. And also a, a tree of like a, I don't know, a spreadsheet or something, but a tree of all the Bobs and who cloned mm. who. And apparently and Dennis Taylor does have this. He had to, at some point <laughs> close somewhere in the third book, I think he said, he actually had to draw it all out right. on a piece of paper, which Bob was which and which clone was which and where they all were in, in each other's timelines so yeah. can keep track of everything. So I thought that was funny.
0: And speaking uh, of connections, do you have a connection with the uh, Bob the Builder?
1: I do have a Bob the Builder. Um, I do have a Bob the Builder. I heard about the six degrees of... So, well, it's fun too. It, it actually goes a couple of different ways. But yes, I found a Bob the, Bob the Builder. Uh, Ray Porter was the narrator of this book who I, we it's haven't fantastic. talked about him yet. I thought he did a, a fucking awesome
4: job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, That was when two Bobs. On other stuff, yeah.
1: Oh, to- absolutely, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's done like when, a lot. <laughs> when two Bobs were talking, you could tell the difference between the two Bobs. But it's the same person it's just i thought it was great i thought he did a great job i thought he did a great job
5: i stared at the images on the hologram for what felt like hours totally entranced the planets were imaged side by side clearly showing the size difference between the two both planets had atmospheres clouds and extensive oceans Most importantly, both planets had oxygen in their atmospheres. Large swaths of land showed a definite green color. Oh. My. God. I've hit the jackpot. I turned to Guppy. Format a message to Bill. Include all telemetry that we've collected so far. Also add names. Vulcan and Romulus. Mission parameters do not permit naming planets. Mission parameters can go jump. I found them, so I'm damned well naming them. If any future colonists want to change it, they can make that decision. Aye, sir.
1: Uh, He's also done voices for Teen Titans. I know some of us have probably watched Teen Titans. Um, He did a bunch of voices for The Sandman, which is a Neil Gaiman graphic novel. Okay. Now we've connected Neil Gaiman to Bob the Builder already. So there's a gimme for those of you that just want to cheat and go the cheap way. You could stop right there. But no, <laughs> we're going to continue on. Um Ray Porter, he's also done a bunch of stuff for video games. He's done, he's done crap tons of stuff. Um I told my wife I wasn't going to mention this, but he was in a small, he had a small role in an English murder mystery called Midsummer Murders that she was into. So mm-hmm. he was also in that um oh no not not him i'm sorry that that comes later i'm sorry i'm sorry that comes later anyway so ray porter was in a movie called the runaways which was based on the band the runaways which is joan Jett, Lita Four. he was in that he was in the movie he had a part in the movie yeah um i've seen that right so that was about the runaways right and the runaways were an awesome all-girl band um a lot of really hot girl. I still have a thing for Joan Jett. Um, Who doesn't? I, you right. <laughs> like, uh, reputation is probably one of the best rock songs ever. Like I just, that's just, so the runaways had a producer named Toby Mamis. He was a producer. He did Alice Cooper. He also worked with Blondie and everything else. Um, he also produced for Susie Quattro, who was, okay. <laughs> by all means, essentially the first real badass lady rocker, right? I mean, like legitimately. She um, she influenced just about everybody back then. She influenced uh, Tina Weymouth. Uh, from the Talking Heads and the Tom Tom Club. And if you're not into the Talking Heads, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Um, uh, she was a direct influence on the actual runaways, including Joan Jett. Joan Jett was doing it, Chrissy Hind. Uh, Kathy Valentine from the gogos All of these women were into Susie Quattro. Uh, she was also an Ab Fab, <laughs> uh, for those of you that like Ab Fab. And she played <laughs> Leather Tuscadero on Happy Days, <laughs> which is Pinky Tuscadero's little sister, Pinky Tuscadero being Fonzie's girlfriend. So she was also on there. Um, the other thing that Susie Quattro did was a voice on the Bob the Builder Built to be wild, she voiced <laughs> Rio Rogers. So we've gone from Ray Porter and Teen Titans through uh through Toby Mamis, uh, all the way through the runaways, Susie Quattro, and into Bob the Builder. So there's your Bob the Builder. Um Suzy Quatro. Nice. Susie Quatro was in Midsummer <laughs> Murders, not not okay. Susie Quatro was. I screwed that up, but she was in that, so
0: well done. So yes, I do Wealth have of knowledge. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you ride.
1: do with that knowledge, but there it is. So.
0: Sure did your but book it is But it is a good, for it is,
1: it's a, it's a good excuse <laughs> for everybody to go listen to some more Runaways, and especially some Joan Jett. Everybody should just, yeah. after listening to the rest of this podcast, everybody should go listen to some Joan Jett for a little while. <laughs> Although I never really liked Lita Ford back in the, in the yeah. when was that, in the 80s when she was doing stuff with like Ozzy?
3: Yeah,
1: I never. It was not for me. I didn't.
3: Well, I mean, that's that's getting into you know the hair metal territory.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that was that was never my thing. So, not that I have a problem with Lita Ford in any way. She could probably still beat my ass. (laughs) I would pay Joan Jett to beat my ass. (laughs) Back
0: on topic. (laughs) Back on topic.
1: I'm I'm interested.
0: What everyone's favorite kind of story arc was throughout um i guess i could start with mine would be probably the mixture of getting the humans off the earth and the battle with the others i mean which is obviously the the biggest kind of arc but i really enjoyed the terraforming aspect where he had to figure out how to get other planets ready for certain species so I guess not only Earth, like the removal of the humans, but uh, I guess the way that the, the others were killing and just decimating planets and just going through and taking all of the resources, killing everything that was on there, it just seemed really real to me, very visceral, and you could mm-hmm. you could totally uh, expect that type of species to just have that reaction and be just just. Going through and taking every element, you know, in that system. So it was really unique uh, to, to imagine that, but then also the his race of getting the species off the planet before the others would get there and like terraforming, having to collide asteroids and ice bomb yeah. planets, you know, to get their atmosphere ready. It's just really interesting, setting up, you know, future Earths for different civilizations in the future. I found that just really intriguing yeah so anyone else have a favorite
1: no we all hated the rest of the (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I didn't necessarily have a favorite story my favorite character arc I guess sort of falls blanket under your question is Riker I really like the way that Riker I didn't necessarily relate to him the best I think given the option i probably would have ended up being more like bill and just kind of try to be the hub of everything but that's mostly just because i'm really nosy and i'm kind of a gossip so i really (laughs) kind of want to be the center of all that but i really liked i really liked Riker's story arc where he started out really sort of stick up the ass kind of thing and was ready to kill homer and everything else and by the end of it he was making jokes and being silly in honor of homer and just that sort of whole it's probably not the right term humanizing of Riker throughout the entire thing. I really enjoyed his story arc.
3: And he was also the one that had the closest relationship with his, uh, family. Right. Yeah. The descendants of his sister. Yeah. Um, so I think that,
1: Definitely. that definitely yeah well and he was he was he you know? was the point man for getting the people off the planet and everything else yeah. so he had the most contact with people but he really sort of i won't say softened but he sort of led yeah. up by the end of it and i just i really enjoyed his arc <laughs> i didn't nec- i don't think he was my favorite character but i think his story arc was probably my favorite which sort of umbrellas under will's question but yeah
4: um,
0: yeah
4: um yeah. I like, I like how I mean, by the end of Riker, he, he, he says, you know, towards the end, he says, it's just bill now. I'm, I'm, you know, the whole star Trek thing. It's not me anymore. Right. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I liked the, um, the whole Deltons uh, with the original Bob and, uh, that whole arc, uh, it started off. I, I wasn't crazy about it at first. I was like, Oh, you know, here we go. Bob, the God, you know, <laughs> yeah. Bob. <Ball>. And, um, <laughs> but actually, as, you know, as it, As the story evolves, it becomes, basically, it's his opportunity to experience what it's like to have a family and and to have children in a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, as the societies develop and he gets to experience all of that uh, and and fighting and things like that. Um, But he has a special relationship with. Archimedes. Um, Archimedes. First, what? Archimedes. Just, in the first Archimedes. book,
1: it was Archimedes. And then in the second and third book, it was Archimedes. And I was like, what the fuck? What
4: is <laughs> just Of course, you're think the whole time, you're thinking about them in terms of like, oh, they're like these Neanderthals or whatever. They're people and you know, uh, you know, skins and things. But no, actually, there's some sort of bat pig creature, really, <laughs> that kind yeah. of walks on hind legs, but kind of not, um, I think. Uh, but um, but I like that, that whole arc and actually um, – uh, you know, as I said at the beginning, full disclosure, I, I am about an hour short on the last book, <laughs> finishing it. But I'm at the point where basically, uh, spoilers, uh, Archimedes is dying. And, and I really feel that myself, you know, because yeah. you've got to know that yeah. in that relationship. And you feel for Bob in that moment. You uh, really do. Yeah. Uh, when when Archimedes is near the end of his life. So I that ended up, uh, started off not being my favorite story line and then ended up being one of my favorite ones.
1: Yeah, it was a little towards the beginning and the middle of the, the series it was kind of like, ah, oh, there's so many other interesting things. Why are we listening to somebody chip rocks and make knives? Like But, right. but it does, it really does. It 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 really does bring a lot of emotion to it. And you do really feel it towards the end. Like you really like it's it's pretty heavy. For a silly little sci-fi book, it gets there's some there's some spots and there are some spots in that arc that, that do get heavy.
3: Mm-hmm for all my, uh, for all my griping about the, uh, the Howard and Bridget,
1: (laughs) um,
3: Bridget being the, uh, the human woman that Howard sort of falls in love with, uh, has to watch her get married to an actual human. Um, and then raise her children who hate him. (laughs) Well, one of them is sort of, okay. One of them absolutely hates him. Yeah. Uh, and then the husband dies, and they start having a something of a relationship. And, um, but then she chooses to be replicated and become what he is, and uh, the fight, the the kind of legal battle that, yeah, that goes along with that, uh, I thought was really well done. And then I just. Honestly, like once she had become the AI and they were on that gas giant um checking out all the new, you know, the blimps and all of the life forms that I found really fascinating and I wouldn't have minded some more stuff on that planet.
0: Me too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that, was, that was
1: good.
3: Yeah. Because that was the, the, the point that they were getting into, you know, they could make any kind of an Android body that they wanted you know in addition to the one that bob had made so that he could blend in among the deltons and not be recognized as the bob um to the you know these manta ray bodies that that howard and bridget had to explore odin and
1: uh yeah
3: yeah
0: it's fascinating that part i think my imagination just took off and like trying to realize what the blimp you know, beings would be like, and their predator I coming in. I think yeah, it was yeah. in, uh, the Carl Sagan book, Cosmos.
3: There was a, uh, a painting of like what, you know, what life on a gas giant might look like. And that's what I kept picturing. And it was these kind of like, like hot air balloon jellyfish type things. That's what <laughs> I kept seeing.
1: I want to say in 2010, or what was the next one? Sixty-one. I want to. Feel, I, I want to say in one of the two thousand books there was life on a gas giant that we mm-hmm. that we read about. But it's been years since I've read that. But I want to. It seemed reminiscent of that to me. Not derivative of that, but reminiscent of that to me. Yeah. If I'm thinking of the right book, And I got to go back and reread all of those. I guess.
0: It's fascinating because, you know, this book with us all saying our favorite parts. You know, I think. You, we all connected differently, like some of us with the human aspect and others with the sci-fi and like major universal or galactical, you know, part of it. it is pretty, pretty cool that this series contains all of that. Like I said, said at the beginning, just, there really is something. Yeah. Yeah. I did, you know, one of the other things that I, that I found
3: really fascinating, but also it was a little bit frustrating but i kind of understand it in retrospect so that they have the big battle with the others um, when the others finally show up in our solar system and are, are about to attack earth uh and that goes on for quite a while and then there is the final blow that is dealt to the others at their system and the way that that was pulled off, I was fantastic. And I, I was fascinated by that whole idea. I also felt like it was kind of like tacked on as a, almost an afterthought. Like, Oh, well we won the big battle here, this big, important <laughs> battle, but then this we also, we also wiped them out on their own planet here. It's
1: fine. Yeah. Like, I, um, yeah, it felt like I don't want to have to write about the others anymore. And I want to make sure <laughs> that nobody thinks they're coming back. Well,
3: right. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's also, you know, how much detail can you go into on something of that scale? You know, like you Yeah. (laughs) So I kind of get it, but I also, and I don't know if this was just that, you know, I happened to be zoning out or two into something else that I was doing while listening to it during some of the Icarus and Daedalus parts earlier on, but I had no idea like what they were up to.
1: And yeah, then no, suddenly they, they show
3: up and they throw yeah. a couple of planets into the sun. No, they were, they were
1: really <laughs> quiet about it. I, I listened to it years ago and I just re-listened to it. They were very quiet about the whole thing. Like they had, they hinted that they were going to go do something. Right. And if, it, if you've listened to it or read it once, look, I mean, obviously, Wow, they're the same thing exactly like the last time I read this book. so you can recognize it coming up, but you you see that it's really sort of obfuscated and it's hidden and it really is a surprise. It's like, holy shit. Right. They took two planets and mushed a sun like they yeah. really. Like, <laughs> they're not coming back. I'm pretty sure there's no more Madiri out there. I'm not positive we're not going to run back into the Madiri if we can. Keep- right. Writing more books, I'm positive there's no more others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they said
3: something about barring any nests, so I mean it's entirely right. possible that
1: it could. You know,
0: Ender Wagen that, has a uh, has one in his back pocket right. somewhere.
1: Well, they're, yeah, they're
0: exactly. I mean, there's are
1: There's rumor they're talking about bringing back fucking Mace Windu after getting cut to shreds and throwing out like a hundred story building. If they can do that, then they can bring back the others, but it doesn't mean I have to like (laughs) it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, but yeah, no, it did. It felt a little bit like I want to make sure that everybody knows they're not coming back. What can I do? But they did. They really, I mean, I I thought it was a really. Well, yeah, you have to do something drastic at
3: that <laughs> yeah. point, you know, building yeah. a Dyson Sphere. You...
1: <laughs> building a Dyson Sphere not only around their sun, but around the orbit of their main planet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. that's a big structure. Yeah. That's a huge, huge structure. Yeah. So that gives you the sense of exactly how many other races, or not exactly how many, but just how much more destruction they would have taken through the universe or through the galaxy at any rate. Mm-hmm. No intergalactic bobs. I don't. I don't remember hearing about any Bob deciding that they wanted to go intergalactic.
3: Possibly Bender. Who do they? They. Some people were. Some of them were going out to look oh, for yeah. him at the end. Yeah. Right. We'll okay. find out that a, uh, a society has grown on his ass.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was a god once. <laughs> yes, you were doing very well until everyone died. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. P-
4: part of
2: it that
0: kept me up at night listening to it too was just imagining, not only this could be a real part of our future, like a Van Neumann, Neumann probe, but mm-hmm. that there could already be another being yeah. somewhere <laughs> else that's, that has these out there, and you know they're coming for us. It just seems a very plausible way of space exploration. If you have the means to have a 3D printer that could pull that off. Like it seems to me yeah. like all of the science yeah. fi- you know, fiction part of that really seemed possible.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I like how he, he toys around uh, the Dennis Taylor. That is, he toys around with, you know, how he kind of makes fun of other science fiction where they just kind of wave a hand and things happen. But then you realize he does that a lot in this story too. He just kind of waves <laughs> his hand. <laughs> uh, but um, the whole printer idea, the, the, the uh, 3D printer idea is really, a nifty idea and yeah. i like to that he um he, he gets into the thing that a lot of science fiction skips over in that uh, as Bob is encountering these different species, they're at different stages of evolution. I mean, obviously the others are way advanced, and mm. um, and then he meets with the Deltons that are you know just at the beginning stages. Um, whereas usually sci-fi, you know, you go out there and there's a whole bunch of beings that are on roughly the same level as you. Um,
2: now he still can't. I,
4: I, I'm a little disappointed. He still couldn't escape the whole. You know, at the end of the day, they're still able to beat the others who are, you know, however many generations ahead of uh, of, of uh, Earth. Uh, he's still able to beat them. Uh, you know, I still wait for the story where it ends with you know humanity is completely destroyed and wiped out because we encounter another race that is just way more powerful.
3: Well, also, and it, it basically <laughs> came down to that they made a mistake. You know, they didn't they didn't release their uh, their fighters from or they released their fighters from a cargo ship that was too far away to get into the action.
1: Yeah. yeah that's but, well like i was talking i there's another series that will did a well not a series the first book of old man's war which is a six book series six and a half book series which i'm actually going through the rest of them now and will it asked me what i thought about it and my complaint about the later books complaint isn't the right word but my my thought on the later books is that like you have all these people that all this incredible shit just keeps happening to. (laughs) Like how many times can this amazing, amazing thing happen? And it's sort of the same thing, right? Like how we keep beating the others, we keep beating the Madiri. So my only working theory is that we're not reading about all of the other cultures that weren't able to do that. We're only reading about the one that was able to do that and tell us the story. Like you don't hear about the story about the guy right. that was about to get on the airplane and he goes, no, I have a really bad feeling about this. And he gets off the airplane and he goes home and he misses his flight and his family's all pissed. Cause he's not in br- Barbados with <laughs> the rest of them. You only hear about the one guy that got off the plane and the plane crashed. Right. right. <laughs> but there's gotta be millions of people that the other one. So that's my working theory, but, um, it is. It, it is a lot, but it's, uh, and it also, you know, I
3: mean, you, when you make that many bobs and send them out there, I mean, a lot of them found nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Right. Right.
3: So we, we follow the ones that did find something. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In old man's war it actually, uh, touches on at some point, not a van Neumann probe, but there is a very similar situation with a ship later in old man's war, And, um, uh, colonists, there's some, there's some, uh, earth people being sent out into the universe in old man's war to colonize planets. And the whole time I'm thinking that won't work didn't you guys read the Bob books? You need, you need three printers. You need resources. You can't just send people out into the universe without like rudimentary tools and expect them to survive. I was, it was really funny. I was yeah. like, no, Taylor had a, a much better, I get where you're going. I get where you're going Scalzy and I, and I like you and I like your books, but you should talk to Taylor about how to set up a colony. Cause he's got a much better system. <laughs>
4: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's just funny. I it, on that same idea, I just happened to watch the movie "Don't Look Up" amidst all of this, where you know, the yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but yes, at the end, some people get to another planet and they are just completely <laughs> ill prepared. <laughs> 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 uh, going all kind of work out um <laughs> that's,
3: for them, so. that's funny <laughs> like, oh there is life on this planet <laughs> oh shit <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> that's really funny
0: also too i uh have a podcast to recommend uh lex friedman oh, yeah? recently had a mit uh specialist for space yeah um colonization ariel ekblah And it was really fascinating. I keep saying fascinating, but uh, it was a really interesting listen where she kind of talks about some space uh, self-replicating structures that they're working on that can like build themselves basically. And and like low orbit off of Mars is what they're thinking, like for exploration in the future. And they're talk. she was kind of talking about going to the moon in the next year and, all sorts of really cool stuff that really interesting listen. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out, it's, it's like an hour and a half and she just, it was echoing a lot of these books, like every time that she would talk about like something new that they're working on. she kept sa- uh, saying that they use sci-fi for a lot of their um, inspiration, uh, especially like the, the Neil Stevenson book, do you remember what it was Aaron? What book was she Probably 7eves. Seven 7eves. Seven yeah, that's what it was. And just talking yeah. about like a lot of the tech in that book that is they're actually trying to bring into real life. So it was, it was really interesting. And that's Lex Friedman. Um if you guys and yeah, you of sent the me that link. I
1: forgot to I have to uh, I want to listen to that. I just forgot that I had it to listen to. I'll put it back on my watch list.
0: Yeah, it's a good listen. That's- Listen yeah. to
3: maybe half of it, I think. Um I gotta get back to the rest of it.
1: Yeah. But no, it seemed like it would be an interesting lesson.
3: Yeah, I have a I have a feeling seven Eves will be in our future. Um
1: it's been threatened before, I think. It has. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even and think you're and the and first one to threaten it. <laughs>
3: um there were particularly some things about this book that really made me think of it.
0: Huh. Um yeah. I haven't so. done any Neil Stevenson yet, so I'm excited
1: done very, very little, very little.
0: Well, that in general, I think it was a great uh, recommendation for the, the book club. I really enjoyed the whole series. Like I said, I couldn't stop reading. And I think after I got through the first book, I was like, I don't think we're going to do just the first book for this <laughs> review. We're going to have to, <laughs> we're going to have to do all three of them. And then, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. it's sort of, it, it, it's a hard one book series. Like I feel like old man's war, you could read the first book and not read the rest because there's it sort really, carbon. Yeah, it does, but this it, really it will, kind of is one big book in three parts. In much the same way
3: as uh, you know, a new hope. Um, you get some closure out of the first one, but yeah. it's not the whole story. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it, it all hangs together as a as one big story very well.
1: I hope you guys do the fourth book. We don't have to do a podcast about it, but I hope all three of you guys do the fourth book because there's some interesting stuff that goes on in there that that would be fun to talk about, just nerd out about on another day. Not podcast style, but the fourth book has some interesting more big <laughs> universe kind of things. I don't want to say anything about it. I enjoyed the fourth book, different, different vibe, totally a different vibe in the fourth book. Um, but still good. Um, yeah,
3: I do. I feel like this is one that you can, you can recommend to just about anybody. Um, you don't even necessarily have to, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe you have to enjoy sci-fi to enjoy this, but, uh,
1: I think to a degree you do, but it's a pretty easily digestible book. It's a pretty good gateway drug.
3: It is. I think that Bob as a character and as our, you know, his point of reference to the whole world and just being, you know, it's not a comedy, but Bob's a, you know, kind of a wise ass. (laughs) Um, There's.
1: There's, yeah, so. it's it's not a comedy, but there's comedy in life, right? <laughs> like there's, I mean, even in real life, on a normal daily basis, you you laugh sometimes, right? Like that's mm-hmm. not not everything serious. I think sci-fi does tend to take itself way too seriously, yeah. and there are there are funny moments in a regular day to day, and I think that this gets that. And there's and there are stupid references in a day to day, right? I mean, we all quote yeah. something stupid every now and then <laughs> on a normal daily. Basis. <laughs> And like I say, I think it's it's what Ready Player One could have been, or maybe should have been. Um, I think that was just references for references' sake. How many how many references can I get in a paragraph? How many references can I cram yeah. in a page? <laughs> and this was references because that's the way people actually talk. And if you have a bunch of like minded people, that's the way they talk. That's, yeah, that's
3: and, actually uh, about something. No?
1: Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> and, 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 yeah yeah it's actually about something and in context so i it it was a funny book but it wasn't a comedy red dwarf being a comedy this being a funny book because life has funny moments in it but a lot of touching shit too there was some hard there was some hard shit when stefan passed away that was rough Mm -hmm. that was hard And then when Archimedes or Archimedes, I still don't know why he changed. I get that he had it wrong, but why did the director just say, yeah, fuck it. Keep going. Like the first time he said Archimedes, wouldn't you have just gone, wait, wait, let's let's re-say that. Don't do it for an entire book. I don't remember that at all. That was, yeah. The first book he's Archimedes, because I like the first. The first time I heard it, I was like, Archimedes. Oh, I thought it was Archimedes. Maybe it's another <laughs> guy. And I thought, I'll have to Google that later. And I never did. And then I got to the second book and he was saying Archimedes. And I was like, oh no, he totally ate that. I, that's not me. He totally wrote that. He shit the bed on that. <clears throat> Which if, if that's my biggest complaint of the book, it's a pretty good right. book. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't even the book. That's just a narrator. Fucking Roy Porter. <laughs>
0: why are you so good <laughs> yeah once
1: again just i love the way he read it stellar. i want yeah. i want other stuff that he's read he he i really yeah. liked the way he read it i i really enjoyed his reading yeah so
3: yeah even i nailed all his uh all his accents for all the the non-bob characters
1: yeah know. yeah so. yeah he did a good bridget too it's hard to find yeah. a it's hard to find a narrator that can do a female voice without just talking in some <laughs> stupid ass falsetto, like a female Irish
4: voice. Uh, yeah. Right. Scottish. Scottish. I don't want it. Irish. <laughs> yeah. Irish. Well,
3: that might actually be a decent, uh, segue to our next book. Yeah. Um, because the next book is under the skin by Michelle Faber, who is a Dutch author, but has, lived most of his life in Scotland and wrote, uh, wrote under the skin taking place in Scotland. The narrator for it is, I think an Irish woman, hmm. uh, but who can pull off an amazing Scottish accent <laughs> for some of the characters. <laughs> huh. um, yeah. So this was, this is a, uh, it was made in. So under the skin published in 2000, was made into a movie in 2015 with Scarlett Johansson. Hmm. Um, the movie I thought was okay. Uh, ended up reading the book. The book has a lot more going on and it, 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 it's become one of my favorites. Um,
1: and this is sci-fi out. proper. This is like, it
3: is sci-fi. It's also uh, a little bit horror. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen the, the term, the tag thriller applied to it. I don't yeah, know. it doesn't really mean whatever much. that's, that's yeah. for people who aren't, you know, don't want to admit that they like horror.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. right. <laughs>
3: so, but yeah, that will be, uh, that's my pick for our next book and we will have a, another special guest for that.
1: Yeah.
0: That sounds awesome. I can't wait. I, uh, I like Scarlett Johansson a lot, so that'll be a fun watch too. She's always yeah. a fun watch. If you know what I mean? I
3: would say, um, <laughs> read, read the book before you watch the movie. Oh yeah. Always. Yeah. 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 Um, a lot of times I, a lot of times I say watch the movie and then read the book because I feel like it's makes it less of a letdown. Um, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> because you, you, you watch the movie and you go, okay, all right. And then you read the book and you're like, oh, okay. Now there's right all this, all the, you know, more context and everything for it. Hmm. Um, this one, I feel like they're different enough. And I, I want the perspective of someone who has read it without having seen the
1: movie. So, <laughs> right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Enough.
0: Cool. So none of you guys have read it other than Aaron? No, no.
1: Nope. I have it. I downloaded it, but I, I got it on my phone, but I haven't started yet. I, I do I I will start it soon, but I do have to finish Old Man's War. Um
3: it's uh it's
1: two thirds of the way through the last book and then I'll start it.
3: Nine hours, sixteen minutes, so it's not
0: uh Oh that's not it's not yeah. too bad. Yeah. Easily digestible. Uh, and we uh, yeah, it promise it so won't be five and a half to six months till our next episode. <laughs> I promise
1: nothing. I promise nothing. I promise nothing. You will... promise whatever you want. I promise absolutely nothing.
0: I will come over there. I will fly there and crack a whip, baby. <laughs> nothing That's can stop show. us. <laughs> get back on With our
4: mojo here.
1: My Cousin and Me in a Whip is a totally different show. Hey there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The After Hour Show. (laughs) (laughs) That one's on Patreon. If you're into Cousin on Cousin Action,
0: (laughs) this has been the Holograms. (laughs) 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 Well, Well,
1: thank you for coming, Steve. I appreciate it. I I hope you enjoyed the books. I hope you read the fourth. I will. I hope you had a good enough time that you want to come back at some point.
4: Absolutely, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, yeah. It was great to talk with some fellow uh, sci-fi uh, nerds, Steve. Nerds, <laughs> <Say> nerds? okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, it was awesome. Really good uh, perspective that you brought, I think, and we yeah. jived really nicely. So it was fun, and yeah, definitely would love to have you get you back. So
1: appreciate that. Yeah, it'd be fun. More East Coast people. We gotta. I don't know how many more East coast people we have to have until we like outweigh will entirely (laughs) wills two, two hours behind us.
0: So that's right. Yeah. About dinner time for me. So let's wrap this puppy up. (laughs) All right, cool. cool. Well,
1: all right. Well, thank you everybody. Thank you for, thank you for enjoying my book that I suggested and had nothing to do with it anyway.
3: Definitely. Well, that's just what we do here.
0: That's right <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. well, we uh, appreciate any listeners that have made it this far and definitely stay tuned next episode for under the skin. Get that read between now and then. You have uh, at least a couple of weeks I'm sure. so uh, yeah, we'll be here and this has been the Hologram Media Club podcast. we'll see you next time. Bye bye
2: thanks guys. I'm sitting in this pod with my speculating goggles on, a penny for my thoughts, a billion credits to get back home, and I'm making to make a decision to figure something out just yet. To stop these ghastly apparitions, get my feet back on the ground. Well, I'll hear now. Standing free in the Jovian Tide And I miss my home Floating here for half my life Oh, what I would give To get out and stretch my legs To take a walk In the wonderful world. Goes in my head. I've been farming these rocks too long. Six can just descend wide eyed nights. Something bound to go wrong. Out here it's cold and the ice is all, all around. This searching is getting old. Two years and nothing found. And I'm fixing to make a decision. That supply ship come my way This miner's intuition Says I will get home someday Well, I'll hear enough help Spin free in the jovian night I miss my home Floating here for half my life Oh, what I would give to get out and stretch these legs, get my feet down solid ground, take a stroll in the wonderful sun, but I'm sitting in this pod, with my speculated goggles on, I'm handing for my thoughts, i a billion credits to get back home.